Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Value Inspiration podcast. My name is Ton Dobber, and I'm the founder of Value Inspiration and the author of The Remarkable Effect. I'm creating a tribe of tech entrepreneurs that are on a mission to do something big and meaningful. I invite you to join the tribe as well, especially if you want to create change that matters and put your software business on momentum that you're proud of. The goal that I have at this podcast is twofold. Firstly, to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. And secondly, share experiences from tech entrepreneurs like you about what is required to create a remarkable software business and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. The guest on my podcast today is Adam Benzikrit, co-founder at Inflow AI. So our, our journey started with the creation in 2015 of a sports news app. And we got that off the ground. We started to get thousands of users and then ran into an accelerator, which introduced us to lots of different companies. They introduced us to brands, a lot of bookmakers. And what we were trying to do then, the start of our journey, was we were trying to influence bookmakers to advertise on our product. We learned and realized there was an opportunity kind of much bigger than that then. They were, they were more interested in how we got content in our own app and wanted yeah. to do that for themselves to drive digital engagement to their products and services. And, and that was the big light bulb moment for us is forget the B2C route. This is Adam. He worked in a number of startups and high growth companies for nearly a decade. In 2013, he co-founded Inflow AI, a London-based technology company that's on a mission to help overstretched in-house marketing teams, business owners, and SMEs to find their voice and grow online. When they saw thousands of companies simply didn't have the resource to create highly effective blog content and therefore had to rely on expensive paid ad campaigns or SEO agency retainers, they had to step in and solve it. How? By helping their clients tell great stories with the power of artificial intelligence and by making content creation and blogging simple, fast and affordable at the same time. And this inspired me and hence I invited Adam to my podcast. We explore why producing great content is so tough and why so many businesses continue to underutilize their expertise to drive engagement. We also address what is required to stand out in your market and become the go-to player. And last but not least, we dig into the things to do as leaders to create a software business that our customers just keep talking about. By listening to this podcast, you'll learn four things. Firstly, how to carve out your own category and find the playing field where you can become the go-to player. Secondly, why it is so important to reflect and dig deep on the business that you're really in. Only that understanding makes saying no easier and gives you the resourcefulness to remain making a difference. Thirdly, what strategies to put in place to continue to have the cash flow runway to execute and deliver upon your mission. And fourthly, why you should treat your client like a partner and your partner like a client. 
Well, hi, Adam. Thank you for making the time today on the podcast and yeah, being available to talk about your company, Inflow. Tom, a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me and looking forward to the conversation. Yes, it's going to be fun. And I, I, I like the topic, but first of all, because I'm heavy into content marketing myself, you know, I'm a product marketing specialist by profession from, from many, many years ago. And I completely agree with what you're describing on your website and the pains that you are addressing there. Before we start talking about your company, a little bit about you, not like your whole history, but if you define yourself in two or three words, yeah, what defines you as a person or an entrepreneur? What would those words be? Persistent would be one. I'd say I'm a very persistent person, stubborn person. If I start something, I have to finish it. Relentless, I guess, just sticking to that whole line of thinking is continually do something. If something's not working, kind of person just have to, to try, and, try and get it right and understand why. And the big thing for me is people. I speak to a lot of people every single day, every single week. And there's, there's always so, I learned so much through people and their sort of stories, I guess. So those few characteristics, yeah. Well, I mean, these are uh, essential characteristics to have as a founder or a CEO of a company yeah. because it's not a paved road. And particularly in the business we're in and you're in, is, you know, there's, well, you've got your North Star likely, but there's no straight road to that. So you have to figure it out yourself. You have to paint your own map. And to do that, it's, you're going to hit a lot of walls where it stops. And you have I, to be persistent I, I, and relentless. Yeah, I always say, there's not a book in Waterstones that has your journey on it. So you exactly. Say, that's the big one. Yeah. So if there was, it'd be easier, but it'd be less exciting. Yeah, that's for sure. So talking about your company, Inflow, started in 2015, categories, content, content creation, helping marketeers to drive more, more traffic, to drive more engagement through content. But what's the big idea behind your, your company? Why did you start it? I guess, you know, sticking to the persistent, stubborn me it started off as something different and there wasn't a driving mission at the time and it's changed dramatically to really under to create a product that people really genuinely need and so in that kind of five-year journey five six-year journey it's been quite crazy really in, in many ways we started off in 2015 inspired believe it or not by a teenager myself and my business partner toby a teenager inspired us a guy called nick deloisio built an app called Sumly, which curated news content, finance content from the Wall Street Journal, aggregated it, and then summarized that content. And Yahoo swept it up, who were looking into anything that was in News Digest at the time. They bought it for an interesting sum, which was a really interesting, you know, it was an interesting thing. And then we thought, okay, really cool application there of aggregating, summarizing, collating content, making it digestible. Why not apply that to sports fans? So our, our journey started with the creation in, in 2015 of a sports news app. And we got that off the ground. We started to get thousands of users and then ran into an accelerator, which introduced us to lots of different companies. They introduced us to brands, a lot of bookmakers, all the big names you'd expect in the kind of betting space. And what we were trying to do then, the start of our journey, was we were trying to influence bookmakers to advertise on our product. Clearly, yeah. we were growing an active, engaged sports fan base, and that would be appealing for as an, an advertising opportunity. Things then changed dramatically after that. We've changed a hell of a lot. So we, in those meetings yeah. with marketing managers, CMOs, where we were trying to convince them to advertise, we learned and 
realized there was a, an opportunity kind of much bigger than that then they were they were more interested in how we got content in our own app and wanted yeah. to do that for themselves to drive digital engagement to their products and services and, and website and blog and that was the big light bulb moment for us is to get the b2c route where there were players at the time doing this with much deeper pockets quite frankly and there was kind of a fork in the road at that point and yeah. we i guess listened to the market fundamentally listened to the market and that's driven i really genuinely believe that's driven everything that we've done feedback at that point so in 2016 we made a decision to pursue this idea of helping companies overstretched in in-house marketing teams to produce more quality content stumbled stumbled into the world of content marketing a buzzword then and a a buzzword now and since that 2016 move all the way up till 17 8 all the way up till now we are trying to make and what we're doing our mission now is it wasn't back then but it is now to make content marketing much more adoptable for overstretched in-house marketing teams for business owners why shouldn't they be able to engage easily with their prospects online? Why not give them a platform where, you know, they've struggled for years to, to build up the expertise, the domain expertise that they have, whether you're an accountant, a lawyer, a tech B2B company, you've spent years and years grafting to have this expertise. And a point of our technology, it's an enabler, a facilitator for them to actually produce quality content, which put out, put out, it can put out and disseminate their expertise in the form of clever SEO blogs, people can read and digest and find out more about your company. So it's a really a tool for stakeholder management. It allows you to produce more content effectively. And that's what we do now. Obviously, lots of parts of it and lots of interesting parts to it. Quite a journey. And I mean, I, I like, like what you're doing here because when I started my podcast, I wanted to do it a lot around the value we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. So more about helping people become better rather than automating people out of a job. You're clearly doing the first part, which is about helping these content marketeers with technology to deliver, well, to up their game and, and get far better results from it. So what's the opportunity if you get this right? So, I mean, what, is for, what are, for example, like results that your customers achieve with this? There's fundamentally two parts of the value to the service. I'm going to actually explain the service a little bit more. So for people listening, they fully get what this is. Then I'll explain the kind of benefits of it. So we are an SEO blogging platform, a smart blogging platform. We're trying to make content marketing a lot easier for in-house businesses, business owners, overstretched marketing teams. Now there's loads and loads of benefits to content marketing. You know, read, read any book, read any article, the, the benefits yeah. are awareness, trust, affinity, brand awareness, trust, affinity It's traffic. It's cost effective. Content's reusable. Content is evergreen. Why aren't you doing content marketing? Well, actually, there's two challenges. There's two core challenges. You're going to run into two slam doors very quickly. The first slam door is getting a data back strategy in place, right? So what that means is you need to do uh, embark on keyword research. Keyword research is done by SEO experts, SEO agencies, filling in with the numbers. It's working out the right target keywords for you that there is sufficient search volume for and aligning that with what you do as a business. And that takes time, it takes energy, it takes a lot of research to do that, and you've got to really be on top of the numbers and the data. So that's the first challenge, right? And then, once you've got that data-backed strategy in place, it's then about delivering on that strategy. 
And what I mean by delivering on that strategy, it's producing, consistently producing effective quality SEO content. That's about the target keywords to, in order to, to, to reach out to your prospects and explain and voice what you do. And if anyone who's ever tried a blog, which is many, many people, and will know the pains. And yes, I know you're looking at me and probably listening, thinking, well, I've just tried now, Adam. But uh, in fact, you were just telling me you've been trying. And I'm working on one right now, yeah. <laughs> and how would you say that's going? Would you, how would you say that process is going? Well, it's always an interesting process. I mean, I typically always try to write it from my heart as, of, as if I am, I've got a conversation with someone else, try to make it as concrete as possible. But I mean, I agree with you. It's not completely optimized towards like, the keywords that people are using. And that's where yeah, the magic comes in. I haven't got a clue what those keywords are. How do you know? You know how, why do you do research? And, and how can technology help you to optimize there? Exactly. And then that's the data part. So we provide that scaffolding and make sure you target the right keywords. But then it's about delivering on that strategy. So consistently producing content requires you to go through the step-by-step process of the content process, step-by-step journey of the content process, I should say. Yeah. It is research, you know, looking into your industry, lots of different topics out there. There's lots of sources out there to go from to find out what's trending, what's relevant, what's topical. Then you've got to organize that research. It takes time open up probably many tabs to do that. Then there's creating the content, getting that piece of paper out, that blank canvas and starting to pull research in, start to think about titles, subheadings, the point you're trying to make in each of this, the overriding point of your article is imagery. Think about licensing and imagery because it's got to have an image, it's got to have media, some say. And are you adhering to kind of SEO best practice as you do that? Then there's obviously publishing it. There's publishing the content to your site, your blogs, your social, sharing it, and that whole reusable, yeah. the reusable side of content. Now, answering your, que- answering your question, your question was, what, you know, what's the value of this? The value is twofold of putting in a data back strategy and delivering on that strategy. It's twofold that the value it's one, it's, it's obviously saving time. We help people save time to do what I just described when we've all tried it, it takes a hell of a lot of time. So we now save on average across our client base for at least four to five hours per week on, just on the research alone. So that's good because the four to five hours per week can be way better spent by these in-house marketing teams, way better spent. Use that creativity to actually to work, to, to, to make it work. So, you know, you, if you're an in-house marketing team and you've now got four or five, four or five extra hours in your week, yes, you could go for a nice bike ride or something, but uh, or walk. You, you could also use that effectively into your work. So, you know, you could use that for sales documents, tender documents, newsletters, social media. You can deploy that, that magic where, where it's needed. And the second part isn't just the time saving, it's then the revenue growth. Okay, so the revenue growth. So now that obviously will depend on how much you're producing content. So we've got clients who are producing six articles per week, and now generating hundreds of leads per week as a result of that. And depending on the value of their lead against the cost of our service, they will see a great, great return. So so, we help in terms of the, the growth online by pushing people up the rankings we're seeing by month three that they're growing on for their keyword position, which is fantastic. We want to fuel that faster. We want to make more suggestions. And so really two angles of value, time and, and the revenue opportunity and growth. Yeah. And that's at the end why you do it for, you know, it's, you want to scale that you want to possibly want to, well, I mean, the moment you win five hours on the research, you could possibly even write another blog or produce more content on that. That's all good. And that's, that's exactly what I was expecting from your solution. Now, what I'm always interested in, and you've been on a journey since 2015, you've pivoted halfway. You're obviously not alone in this market. 
So how was that journey? What did you do different? What was an aspect of your solution where you created that difference that you wanted to make? You talked about it earlier on. How was it from the pack? That's a really good question. The minute we flipped from B to C to B to B and said, right, we're going to try and automate, we're going to help automate the content process. Just to be clear, you still need a user to use our tool, but we help facilitate you through the content process. That was then the the driving thing, which was everything from 2016. And so if you take the content process, which is split into different parts, it's then research. Number one is research. Start with research. Then it's the research stage means looking at lots of different sources. Then the organization stage of those sources and, and interesting content into the creation stage and the writing process, editor stage, then optimization stage, thinking about SEO best practices, and and then finally publishing. We then, we realized in 2016, a few things. One, it's going to take capital to build this thing. What we're trying to build here is pretty substantial. And we knew that in 2016. And and I think the the investors certainly knew that as well. It isn't going to be a one-year project. It's going to take us four or five years to really get a product that is seriously valuable to what we're saying. It's a big, big technical endeavor. Persistent. Oh my God. Yeah. And ahead Being of relentless. There yeah. you go. <laughs> so the question there is, and why I'm saying it in that way is because given that we're trying to offer value throughout the content process, we then naturally have competitors at different stages, at different, those different stages of the content process. So you could argue we're competing against a lot of companies and you could also argue we're competing against no one. Because no one else yeah. is doing full end-to-end journey, really, in the UK. Okay, so I'm going to quickly give a snapshot of each competitor on, on each stage of the content process. So in the research phase, you could use to just do research. There's things like Feedly that exist. There's things like Curator. Public, these are all software tools. Publish this on the research phase. Organization phase, you know, lots of tools in the organization phase. You could argue Google Docs as a competitor just to organize content or Word dockets. Sure. The writing phase, we then naturally touch on anything that has an editor in it. So for me, I think of CMSs, content management systems like WordPress, which have an editor or whatever it is. Again, Google Docs has an editor, Word has an editor. Um, Great. Then you start to move into the optimization stage of that content. You've got the base brief. You've started to fill out titles and headings. But then you're into the optimization stage. And the big competitor, the competitors there are some interesting ones. You've got Yoast, which is definitely one. It's a WordPress plugin, millions of users, great. You've got SEMrush mods as well, who are doing that and more. They're extremely powerful products. And then finally, the publishing and the social scheduling, which again, there's more competitors such as Hootsuite obviously does all that, Content Cal, et cetera, et cetera, in the UK. So you could argue we've got loads of competitors. Now, I, I actually see it differently. I see it as if you're an in-house marketing manager, you want to produce quality content, you've got to go through that content process. You can't just skip parts of that process because what you'll end up with isn't isn't quality you then have to navigate a number of different tools to actually go and produce your content so if you're an in-house marketing person you wrote you've got lots of things to do because you're responsible for all the leads to the site or whatever it is and engaging with stakeholders the thing the opportunity here is the fact that so if you're that person you've got to then assemble five six tools to actually do that process now my argument is what's driven us since 2016 how we're unique is the one, this one-tool approach, this end-to-end tool, end-to-end tool that's going to offer value. And so that's what's driven 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, the whole journey, and it will continue to drive us because the minute you say, do this, do this, do this, 
you can improve each of those things. There's so much you could do. And, you know, we always want a larger tech team. The tech team want a larger tech team, all that kind of thing. So because of that, trust me, we've had a few of those conversations with the back end, front end, left, right team. So sure. And then we got to that end-to-end journey. We, you know, we help you from research all the way to publishing. But then what we realized we didn't actually give you that strategic side. And that came uh-huh. up. That came after. And you think well, that should have come before, but it didn't. For us, the journey we went on was get the end-to-end right, then kind of set the parameters, I'd call it, set the boundaries through the strategy, give them the keywords. So what give customers the keywords so then and the right keywords to target based on what they do. And yeah. therefore they have the strategic side nailed and then the kind of workflow absolutely clear and streamlined to get you to that end result, which is publishing content. That's how it plays out in my head, at least. Yeah. It's an interesting journey. I mean, I would almost like the history that I have in the enterprise research planning space. So I would almost call it an ERP solution for content management but, or for content delivery. One of the people that always inspired me is Steve Jobs. And he always said that innovation is not about what you say yes to, but what you say no to. And like hearing your story, you said a lot of yes. <laughs> But when do you say no, you know? Do you have a framework for that? Yeah, I mean, talking about your, your characteristic being stubborn. What keeps you on your, kind of on your path to watch your North Star? And how do you, have you got an example of that? That's a really good question. I do say yes a lot, actually. You're absolutely spot on. I wouldn't say anything other than that. But I, I think now, what we're staying completely true to now is we want to make content marketing adoptable for teams, for organizations, sectors we work with, the professional services, tech need to be, travel, et cetera. Now, the value we're offering is allowing them to produce content more efficiently, strategically, data-backed, and delivering that often. If you think about it now, we are a small part, the SEO blogging part is a small part of the content marketing galaxy, I would say. So within the content marketing galaxy and the other opportunities or things, even the podcast is a form of content marketing. So, you know, John Deere's tractor company the, and magazine that he produced in, in the 19, whatever it was, the 1800s, 19, 1900s was the first form of content marketing. But what I'm trying to say is there's so many things now that you could say like that, that you could bolt onto our service. Like you could, we could start to help people with podcasts. We could help people with videos. We could help people with lots of things in, in that respect and newsletters and email, email newsletters. And the big one, the big one we say no to is actually lots of those things, but also core SEO, what I'd call technical SEO, full-on SEO, you know, aud- full-on aud- auditing and delivering on those audits. We want to stay true to content now, to yeah. blogging content, content marketing. We want to be that go-to tool that everyone thinks, hold on a second, I need to put more blogs out. Really do. I know what I do as a business and I don't know why I'm not putting blogs out. I want to go to that company. Let me make a small interruption here. Adam just made an excellent remark about how he is keeping his company on course by getting clear what business they are really in. Having that clarity helps them to focus on the essence and not only meet, but actually exceed the expectations of their ideal customers. That then allows them to become the go-to tool. It's a key trait remarkable software companies master. They understand they can't help everyone and as such focus on the essence to deliver something valuable and desirable and create defensible differentiation on the back of it. You can learn how to master these traits as well to take your software business to the next level. I'd recommend you to read or listen to my book, The Remarkable Effect. You can find that on Amazon. But if you first want to understand where you stand on a five-star scale to become a remarkable software business, simply do the anonymous test. You can find that test on valueinspiration.com slash remarkableindex. Back to the interview. 
I don't want us to be yeah. thought of as I've got problems with everything online. Everything online just doesn't work with us. So you know, it's SEO things, the site, the web design, website problems, backlink strategy. No, believe it or not, they've got a lot more no's now than there ever has been. And I think we've had to be, given that our, our whole approach has been automated content production, we've had to strike up a lot of conversations to work out what product could be delivered to actually meet that expectation. Now I believe we've hit that. Now I know we've hit that. And from, not from what I think, from what customers are saying. Now the no thing is really important because if we said yes to so many of the things clients said, you know, help me with, can you, no, thanks, for, like, thanks for this particular suggestion around backlinks. Can you help me implement it? The distractions would get crazy. The tech team would be so unhappy because there'd be so many, just, there'd just be, it would be no core driving thing. There's no end to it. That's correct. Yeah. There's no end and to I it. mean, that's, that's an easy thing at the end. I've seen it happening also in the, pre, in the business I was always running. In, I mean, I was responsible for, for product strategy there. And sometimes you end up in those deals end of the quarter and the customer is going to buy unless you create that set of features. So you become really driven. Your whole roadmap starts, sort of explodes with, with one-offs. And it's all about understanding like, what is the purpose of the whole business? What, what is the big problem you're trying to solve? Understand what you're for and who you're for. And yeah. Be, be oh, I, I actually think a really good way to think about that is, yeah, have a driving mission for the company, but also have people in the team who are, who are so different. And I think that's where the culture thing comes in. You know, yeah, true. I do think I am a bit of a yes man, to be honest with you. But I think there's others in the team who really act as if they all know the mission and we all share that mission, we've agreed on that mission. And that's the value of different personalities in any team because they're going to be like, well, I thought we're doing this. Why are we starting to do that now? I thought we agreed that we're never going to do that. And that's really important to set up front. So when you've got that product market fit and you've driven, you've driven it to that point, stay really true to that. Ne- the next part of the journey is like, we're actually going to stay so true to it. You're right about that. It doesn't mean we're going to be right about so many other things. So that's where you want your, your team. That's where you want the trust in the team to be, and create that culture of, why are we going down that route if we just agreed this? So that's, that's a bit of advice I've probably give to whatever to myself more than anything probably <laughs> yeah 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 now that's a, that's a very valuable one but it starts at the end with uh, defining that vision and, and having everybody on board with that i had a very interesting podcast a couple of months ago with radika dut she is setting up actually a movement uh, called radical product and she was talking about uh, well the kind of product diseases that you have in your company and one of them was around that she said a lot of times different departments have a lot of speed as a, as a silo, but they go in different directions. The moment you start to align that, that's where you get velocity. And that's exactly what you're talking about. Everybody is aware of, okay, this is where we're going. And we don't know the path yet, but we, we do know, like, what does that need to be? Yeah. And that's where you get velocity in, in, in your organization. And that's also possibly how you can stay resourceful to pick up on the new things that are coming and doesn't, it doesn't get you stuck. So that's an interesting one. Let me see. Now that you've... You mentioned you got your, your product fit. Product does what it does. Customers get the results that you promised. I believe now, well, you, the next thing, of course, is to start scale that. So, so what do you believe are your biggest challenges with regards to, to growth and to create, creating that momentum? Great question. I think it's executing on a set number of things. And I think it's about resource and being realistic at what we do have and what we don't have and being really, really stubborn, <laughs> that word again, to those those bets spotify calls it bets they're the things that they sort of the channels that they want to go for and execute on so i think our challenge is is making sure 
week by week, month by month, quarter by quarter, that we're putting an insufficient re- resource and tracking and monitoring the different channels that we think makes sense for us as a business. And I think I've spent a lot of time the last few months as we're getting, as we've really got that customer momentum at the moment, this is the value because we're, we're trying to help people at the end of the day, spend a lot of time working out what those strategies actually are. And there's no other way of doing that other than to sort of kiss a lot of frogs in some respects, you know, does this, this, this could work for one business, but it, maybe it doesn't work for us or this, someone told me this didn't work for theirs. Why would it work for us? But actually it does. And that depends on you as the business. So true. I think we've figured that we've have a good idea, a good idea what those, those channels are for us now, given what we do, given what the product, product does and doesn't do. And so that's been a good sort of exploratory session, I guess, or period for us. Now, I think the challenge is actually, right, go and do that. Go and do that. Go and do that. You've agreed those things. They make sense for you. Yeah. So, I mean, what was to, well, is there already a moment that, that has become your breakthrough moment? And if so, what defined that breakthrough moment? Was that, for example, a particular area, a particular scope of your product or something else? I would say this year, for me, the marrying of the strategic element, i.e. the data back strategy provided to the customer rather than having to work out what their keywords are and navigating what are very complex SEO tools on the market with the end-to-end product. See, if we just had the end-to-end product, it's never just, but a lot of work's gone into that end-to-end product. If it was just that end-to-end product, there is no strategy. And if you have the strategy of the end-to-end product, for us, marrying the two, I, I genuinely believe is really, really key. That's one key thing. There's never just one key thing, is there? So the second key thing would actually be you know, you can't run from this word cash flow. Having the runway to go and execute. And then then you question, well, execute on what? And that's the bit I'm talking about before that is yeah. work out work out your channels, work out your bets. It's all very well having those ideas without if you don't have you don't have that runway to go and do it. Yeah, true. In a constant cycle of in an A look, you can't run from it. In an AI business, there is that heavy upfront costs, continued costs. So if you don't have that runway, you can't execute on anything. So for us now, it is then, right, execute on these channels. For us, the channels are are, a few, are really twofold, and there's a third really sort of exper- experimental one. So the first one is practicing what we preach, so content marketing, putting out quality blogs and making sure we do that consistently, targeting the right keywords, and then seeing, seeing that inbound traffic, seeing that inbound make t- happen. So the power Should be easy. Be easy. Nothing's ever easy, is it? So... <laughs> Second thing is then for us is the partnership program is making a lot of sense for us. Okay. Yeah. So we're working with different profiles or personas that make sense for us and make sense for the, the it's got to be two way. It can never just be works for the company, doesn't work for the partner, has to work for both. And also treat your partner like your client, client like your partner. If your partner, just to be clear what I'm saying by partner here, it's an introducer. Okay. They, they can introduce you to your ICP, your ideal customer profile. So we've now worked out and figured out um, that there is mutual benefit between us, for us and the partner. So those profiles are as follows. You've got business coaches, professional coaches. They're great. They're you know, nimble, I guess. They're, they're speaking to lots of different companies, SMEs. Yep. They know the challenges of those SMEs. They know the, where the businesses are at in their life cycle. And they know, you know if we can plug, plug a gap potentially. So that's fantastic. And that's super nimble. Another introducer for us is like accelerators. You know, co- like large cohorts, you know, 70, 80 businesses a quarter going through those programs. Again, they're a growth platform. We're a growth tool. So there's that natural fit there. 
Beyond that, we're looking at we're looking at like membership organisations as well. So different different chartered institutes, for example. So first strategy for us, the first bet is that content marketing. Second channel for us is that partnership program. Third thing, we're looking at like growth hacks now, like getting the engineers involved more and more into more and more into that commercial plan and roadmap. So you know, one of our engineers, Morgan, full of energy, Morgan. He actually he's one of our front end engineers. He's great, a great personality, and he, he throws himself into so many different areas of the company, which is always great. And he, you know, he's putting proposals to, to myself and, and Toby, my business partner, around, well, let's, let's do a Twitter bot. We're not doing enough on content marketing. And I think that third channel is, start, is growth hacking, it's, I would call it. It's where you've got to try things that you don't, you've got to make some sort of calculated decisions there around that as well. Yeah. Of a couple of those bets, yeah, innovation bets, whereby you know that okay, ten, ten are going, well, from the ten that we are doing, nine are going to fail, but the, but there's going to be one. That's it. That's it. Yeah. And you, you know, you're never going to really know, but you, you apply logic to work out what could and couldn't work and why. Yeah. So I mean, I I, I wrote a book called The Remarkable Effect, and that's describing the, the ten traits of what makes a company, a software company, remarkable. Why do we talk about those companies, and why don't we t- don't talk about other companies? If I ask you the question, you've been in business now for, uh, for five years. What do you believe is the secret of creating a company that people talk about, that, that people would actually miss if it was gone? Just to be clear, I haven't read the book, so I have no idea. And I'm really intrigued what you put in uh, 10. Pat, 10 is a lot of things. 10 is a lot. I'm really interested what the 10 are. But you've asked me the question, so I've got to answer it. So, and I'm actually doing this to work to think while I'm saying that. You don't give me 10. You're just like, what, if, what do you believe is one thing that, that you really stand for? Okay, I, I, I hugely think team is so important. I think team is just enormous. And it's got to be right for those people in the team. Like they can't just be great on paper like a, like a top Trump or a CV. Like is it, they seriously want to do what they're saying. So many ideas are talked about in pubs, now, especially now they're reopened again. But to be actually go and do it, it's, I think that's just entirely about the personality. That personality, so that personalities create the company. I, I really believe that. So I can't, that's the biggest one. I think beyond that is timing of the market is always going to be important. Your ability to attract fantastic talent hiring is going to be important. Your ability to get amazing investors on board is going to be important. That work with you, not against you. Yeah. It's going to be huge. Your ability to, to run a team. Toby, business partner, he's so, he's, he's hugely natural at actually running the team. So that's huge. And then, just being prudent, I think. What I mean by that is, you know, you raise a certain amount of money, you've got to achieve a certain amount of things out of that. And so there's an ethic and a kind of rhythm you've got to get into with that. Uh, I think another thing would be adaptable. You know, if something doesn't work, you can't be someone who just takes it negatively and doesn't move on and is quick to adapt. You know, if you get, you get to every, we've got 60 shareholders in the company now. I think we have probably had you know, 600 people we spoke to, you know, so many rejections to get to, to yeah. an amazing group of shareholders so you've got to be resilient comes back to the first one you've got to be mathematical somewhere we've got firstly business partners mathematical model thinking but we've also got one or two investors who are very good on that as well help us out with financials pnl that kind of stuff ability to recognize when you're not good at something when you are well, there's low i can think of, like i could go on here yeah, yeah i don't think i get 10 i think about six or seven now but these are the ones that naturally come out yeah yeah well, thanks for that. I mean, it's, it's always interesting to, well, to get different perspectives because it makes you think, you know, it helps you kind of rank, okay, so how do I score on that particular lever? Uh, one, thing, that's, I, that's what, one thing I want to say, sorry, one more, one more. I think the customer obsession, I think I've missed, 
I think I've missed it. And I think I've, I almost take it for granted so much is like the team, the personality point, the little bits I've said, but there is an absolute obsession of like building a product that actually, actually really care about what you're doing and how it's different to others. Customer obsession. I'd rank that's right at the top with team. So those two would be like the absolute core ones. And then beyond that, there's a whole load of, a load of really important other ones. If there's, you know, the next step of this is ranking them, but I really want, yeah. That's true. That's true. Well, I mean, there's a number of them that are indefinitely in the, in the list that I find as well. That's good. So what have, what have been your biggest obstacles so far on your journey and how did you overcome that? I think our biggest obstacle straight away funding comes to mind because without it, there isn't a company, there isn't a, there isn't a team, there isn't a runway, there isn't any ideas, there's no yeah. execution, you can't execute the bets. We started off with a B2C app, we raised money from uh, ex-employer, great. Then we raised money again a year later from a really credible bunch of, uh, a small bunch of credible angel investors, fantastic. We switched to B2B and we switched to like this whole idea of kind of semi-automated content creation. Yeah. And then at that point, 2016, with that mission, at that point, you, you can't get around this, undercapitalized. We were at that point. And that was just like, right, what it then means is, you know, the management of the company is then spent trying to procure more, more investment to execute on business goals and product goals and tech goals, whatever, which is, you know, to get around that, I think the you know, I joke about with uh, Toby quite a lot is I think you'd, you'd have to have an, an exit before for, to go and get the kind of the equity you want, the private equity you wanted up front, the cash you wanted up front. I come from a background before this. Yeah, I worked in other startups. I was sort of a head of operations at an AI startup before this in San Francisco and that kind of stuff and worked at other market research companies before that was at university. So my career before this wasn't hugely long, but it was a definitely new sort of startups was for me. So I don't have that exit and that CV stamp I could go out and raise and be like trusted with this thing, even, yeah. though, the, even, even though the mission made sense. So it's had to be like year by year, keep bringing the, the ability to keep executing, keep bringing the ability to keep executing, keep hiring the talent. And, you know, sometimes, you know, hiring, you always hear, you know, things like, you know, I absolutely grafted to and networked and to f- hustle to find that hire. And sometimes speed's everything you know, sometimes speed is everything. So you do, you do have to use other ways that it might mean using recruiters or whatever it is, because that speed is everything. So the two core challenges for me is once we had that switch to B2B, we needed to raise money and we did it and we had to do it year on year. And now we do have a runway. Fantastic. And it was, you know, that, that was super hard. Yeah. Super hard because it obviously impacts on your life, your entire life, exactly. relationships. Yeah. And then second, what was the other point? Yeah, that, that was really, that is the, for me, the hiring point. I said, you know, we've got, we've had, now the team is just genuinely brilliant. I, I think the team is so brilliant. I don't probably say enough to the guys, but I think that they're all great uh, and they're different areas in what they do. But, you know, we've had things that haven't worked out for, for different reasons. So, yeah, well, that's always the case. So from, from the learnings that you've taken here, what are the tidbits of, of wisdom that you, that you could share with other people that are on a journey to, uh, you know, to start up? or to, to grow their company? Probably my, I'd say something I don't do enough is sometimes step back from the, what, the, the grind and the daily and the sort of, you know, I start every day with a piece of paper, really old school. And, and I, one, I put a line down the middle of the paper. Left-hand side of the paper, I put the times, nine, 10, 11, like a calendar. And it's, why not use a calendar? But I have this weird way of working where it's a piece of paper, line down the middle. On the left-hand side, nine, 10, 11, 12, what I'm doing, the meetings. On the right-hand side are things that I have to do that aren't those meetings, i.e. sales and partnerships. Now, if you, I've applied, I've always, I've done that a lot and I'm doing it more and more now, but 
I guess by doing that, you do get on a bit of a hamster wheel and a, and a sort of like rut in, in that way of thinking. Because you think you're thinking you're getting loads done and you, you, you actually are getting a lot done, obviously. And that's, that's super important. There's no way of running. You can't run from the work. You've got to do it. But also, it's also that ability to step away from that A4 piece of paper with a line down the middle and be like, you know, go out and think a bit. You need to think and think of, you know, the, the strategy that you're on, wherever you're on it, either you're on your, your pre-seed, seed, series A, whatever, or you think of it, you don't want to raise money, you want to do it purely bootstrapped. Some companies just can't do that. Some ideas you just want to be able to do that. But you've got, you've got to step back and step back and then what? Think of it. Think about the climate, the market you're in. Think about the product you're selling, how you're different. But then, then think, well, can I talk to someone who can tell me something before I go and, go and actually get that piece of paper out and go, go for it? Because if you're not doing those two things every week, at least every month, the real stra- hardcore strategy thinking and taking time out to think about it, I think you fall into just your own little hole somewhere. So I hope that resembles an answer, but that's what I think. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're at the top of the hour. Where can people go to find out more about Inflow and to say hi to you? I'd love to speak to anyone who, again, what we do, helping and sort of amplify that content marketing. I'm always on LinkedIn. So search on LinkedIn. I'd 100% speak to you, answer anything that comes my way. Definitely. That would be the main way. LinkedIn. I think I respond to that quickest. Okay. And inflow.ai, right? Website is inflow.ai. Going through a, a, a revamp right now, actually. So looking forward to see that. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Adam. Well, to the story of your company and the passion behind your, well, the mission you're on, creating the impact that you want to make and the lessons that you shared, it was, was really helpful. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Really appreciate you, you having me on and appreciate it. Great stuff. And this ends my interview with Adam. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If that's the case, I'd really value your rating or review on iTunes. And if you got inspired by it, please share it with other tech entrepreneurs on a mission that you have in your network. Other than that, thanks for tuning in today. I had the honor to speak to Adam Benzikrit, co-founder of Inflow AI. As said, the goal that I have in this podcast is twofold. Firstly, to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. And secondly, share experiences from tech entrepreneurs like you about what is required to create a remarkable software business and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. Before I close, I have two more comments to make. If you know other tech entrepreneurs on a mission that have a story worth sharing, please send me an email at ton.dobby at valueinspiration.com. Building the momentum all starts with revealing the ideas. And that starts with you. And if you want to know more about my book or you're interested in joining the Remarkable Effect tribe, please visit my website at www.valueinspiration.com. Thanks for tuning in. And you could do me a big favor by rating the podcast on iTunes or provide me with your feedback directly. I'll see you shortly on a new episode. questions we've got answers business leadership ownership and sales can be challenging tune into the accelerate your business growth podcast to learn from the world's experts join me your host diane helbig as i chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business 
You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.